Warning. This episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Hillary B. Bisnetz. Listeners, I'm super excited today to welcome to the show author and literary agent, Jenny Galboy. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Hillary. Absolutely. You know, we've been uh, we've been friends on Slack for a while, and when I saw that you had a new book coming out, I was very excited to have you on. And then I realized, oh, it's a Queen of Swords book. And we have, uh, in this season, already had Rem Wigmore on back in, what was that, October? I don't know, time is fake. Uh, but uh, Rem was on talking about their new Queen of Swords book, Fox Hunt. And now we're here talking about your new Queen of Swords book, which just came out in November, I want to say? November 1st, yeah. November 1st. Uh, obviously Aliens, which... I have been tickled by this book since I first saw the cover. Well, thank you so much. I think uh, Catherine and Terry at Queen of Swords gave it a wonderful cover. It was, um, it really grabs your attention from across the room. And I think it really conveys the, the feel of the book. It's a very light, fun book. Yeah, which is honestly what we need more of right now. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> So is there anything we need to know before we go into this reading? You know, I think I'm going to start reading. I, I skipped a prologue, but I'm <laughs> going to start reading chapter one and uh, and we'll just try it that way. Fantastic. Ready when you are. Dana Elson sat in her rental car, rain pounding against the windshield, and thought about rainbow daydreams and the pitch that was going to change her life. Mm. She imagined striding into their office in her chic dress, tights, and boots, her statement earrings swinging, her sample tucked in her briefcase. She'd shake hands confidently with the whole acquisitions team. Then she'd tell them how her new series would fit into their roster of calendar-based gift items. After that, She'd open the carrying case, revealing her sample. A beam of sunlight would emerge from a nearby window to illuminate its hand-painted glory. <laughs> Everyone would be awestruck. Then they'd give her a million dollars, cash. Sure, why not? Dana sighed and watched the rain. Less than 24 hours until her real presentation, and she was making herself crazy. But how was she supposed to relax when she knew how important this deal would be? What she really wanted to do was call her mom, who always knew how to tell her when she was worrying too much. If only that were possible. <laughs> she picked up the soda and the cup holder and took a big swig. Dana would later reflect that this was the exact point at which her life had forked from its intended direction because her soda bottle was still in her briefcase. The soda she'd drunk from had been left by the car's previous occupant, and something terrible had happened to it. 
A slippery lump of something disgusting slid down her throat and caught, slowly oozing downward. Dana choked, gagged, swung the driver's side door open, and caught herself just before throwing up on a stranger's shoes. (laughs) The shoes belonged to a man who was giving her a sharp, cold, terrifying look that made her burrow backwards into her seat. Automatically, she noticed the details she would put into a sketch. He was bald, blue-eyed, thin, and very pale. His jeans, gray hoodie, and black leather jacket were sodden with rain, but he didn't seem to notice. He glared at her, and she bit the inside of her lip, willing herself to keep silent and still. That's mine, Mm. he said. He reached over her and took the empty soda bottle from the cup holder. (laughs) Then he shut the door and walked off into the rain. Suddenly, Dana was eager to leave, no matter how nauseous she was. Dana managed to check into her hotel, even though she was shivering with fever, and she could still feel the gooey lump slowly oozing down her esophagus, heating her as it went. Sprawled out on the bed, the ceiling spinning above her, she thought about when she was sick as a child, and her mother used to wrap her in a blanket and put a cool, wet washcloth on her forehead. Now she wanted her mom more than ever. No, don't think of that. She was sick and alone in a hotel room, and she was going to have to call Rainbow Daydreams in the morning to cancel her appointment. God only knew when they'd be willing to see her again, and she was out the plane fare and hotel room. Plus, maybe hospital fees, because if she didn't start feeling better really soon, she was calling 911 to take her to go get her stomach pumped. Hello, operator. I'm the biggest idiot you've talked to today. And great, now someone was knocking on the door. She didn't have to answer that. Nope, nope, nope. But the door was opening. Housekeeping must be confused. She pushed herself off the bed and stood up, ready to explain she had plenty of towels. Thanks. But it wasn't housekeeping. It was the weird white man from the rental car parking lot, and he was just as scary now that he'd dried off. And he'd closed the door behind him. What are you doing, she said, trying to keep the fear out of her voice. Get out of here. Dana had always been good at reading people, and this man's unblinking stare told her he was about ten seconds from slamming her head into the wall, and that letting him know how terrified she was would only make things worse. You have something of mine, he said. Give it to me, and I'll leave. Surely he couldn't be talking about the rancid soda. Why would he care about that? I can't give it to you. I drank it. What? He looked her over suspiciously. Why? Because it was a soda? (laughs) She braced herself against the wall, which was nice and cool. This fever was weird. It was like the swollen hot feeling you got when you stubbed a toe, only all over. I think I need a doctor. Had she only thought that or said it out loud? The man moved closer, but she had bigger problems. Her body felt wrong. Too short, too weak, the wrong taste inside her mouth, the wrong smell on her skin, like someone else should have been standing in this hotel room instead of her. A ripple of heat went through her, and for a terrifying moment, she felt her body melt. Yuck. And then it was like the room had shrunk. It took her a moment to realize that this was because she'd grown a few inches. (laughs) She could feel the strength in her muscles, especially in her arms, because she was now a man. Very, very definitely a man. She tried to move her head to look in the mirror, but she couldn't. 
She couldn't open her mouth either. She was stuck in her body like a passenger without being able to control it. Dana was always in control. She didn't like this. Not at all. The man from the parking lot has his arms wrapped around himself like he was cold. Jay? he asked. He sounded scared. She felt her face crinkle into a smile. Adam, Jay said with her mouth. Oh, God, Adam said. It actually worked. He grabbed them by the shoulders and kissed them, a hard, desperate kiss that Jay returned with enthusiasm. This was not, in any way, how Dana had planned to spend her evening. What the hell just happened? Who are these people? This was stupid. She was not going to let the people who'd stolen her body get away with it. She knew what she was supposed to feel like, and all she had to do was to pull everything back in. She must have closed her eyes while she changed. When she opened them, Adam had moved back a step and was pointing a gun at her. Shoot me and your boyfriend dies, she said. She was proud of how calm she sounded. Maybe not, Adam said with a little smile that made her shiver. You want to risk it? He paused to think. Without taking his eyes off her, Adam slowly set the gun on the bedside table. That only made her feel a little better. A guy that confident with a gun could probably kill her with his hands. Mm. What did you do to him? Adam asked. Nothing. He's right here. She put her hand where she could feel Jay lurking inside her, a strange ball of warmth right at the solar plexus. If she paid attention, she could even pick up some of what he was feeling, a mixture of confusion and love, and for some reason, grief. She tried to pat her curly hair back into shape and scowled. She'd like to be more put together. She especially wished she wasn't wearing her acid green yoga pants and an old Space Invaders t-shirt, but this was as good as it was going to get. What happened to me? Adam crossed his arms. You drank a reboot of someone, someone else. Your boyfriend, Jay. He glowered at her, refusing to confirm anything. You called him by name, dipshit. Great, <laughs> she said. How do I get him out of me? A brief pause while Adam considered. I don't know. All right, then. Who does know, Jay? Adam gave her another silent, threatening stare. It was really starting to piss her off. Look, she said, work with me here. You really don't want to have your boyfriend sharing a body with some random woman, do you? Or was that, in fact, the plan? <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to use a cadaver. Where are you going to get the cadaver? He smirked a little. You don't want to know. It was high time Dana could, took control of this conversation. I don't have time for this. You can grimace at me as much as you want, but I've got to practice my pitch for tomorrow. <laughs> pitch for what? Ever hear of Rainbow Daydreams, biggest manufacturer of contemporary memorabilia west of the Mississippi? Adam looked confused. Dana opened her briefcase and pulled out her sample. Inside the box was a plasticine Shiba Inu with an open umbrella carried crosswise in his big grinning mouth. It was probably her best work ever. What the hell is that? asked Adam. It's Mr. March Doge for my series, Doges of the Month. <laughs> Adam emitted a weird laugh. You've got to be fucking kidding. Here's the deal. I have a meeting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. They have indicated interest in making the entire series. If I don't go to this meeting, it will cost me thousands of dollars. 
I'm going to the meeting and I'm going to give the best pitch of my entire life. Afterwards, I'll leave with you and we can figure out how to evict your boyfriend. She closed the box and gently put it back in her briefcase. That's not how it's going to work. Just because you have the gun. No, because you're not going to make it that long. Is that a threat? He smirked. Not from me. He picked up the gun from the table, examined it, and put it back in his holster. Jay and I just quit our jobs. Our boss isn't going to like that, so I've got to get something that will make him back off. That was almost completely unhelpful. And what kind of job could a guy have that will turn him into a human jello shot? (laughs) And why was this her problem anyway? Here's the thing, Adam. He flinched when she said his name. Good. No one knows where Jay is, right? So he's safe. And I'm just some woman who drank the wrong soda. So I'm safe. As far as I can tell, you're the only one in danger. So all you have to do is fuck off for a few hours and we all get what we want. That was when the shotgun blast came through the door. (laughs) Oh, a delight. Thank you. An absolute delight. Thank you. Um, It, I, I was, you know, from the moment I saw this cover, I was like, okay, I know there's Doge in here somehow. (laughs) This is important. (laughs) Listeners, view the show notes. We will have a copy of the book's cover there so that you can uh, bask in its glory. But uh, nothing was meeting my expectations and everything was exceeding my expectations <laughs> well thank you thank you uh yeah i should credit the cover designer terry roy who i think did a fantastic job conveying uh it's a goofy book and it's... and it has and there's even i wish you could see this uh through the magic of audio you cannot see this but there she put uh terry put a little tiny doge head on the spine so it's looking at that. you just as, <laughs> as if you pick up the book yeah we make good radio here <laughs> <laughs> so um my first question about this book, uh, because this is Tales from the Trunk, mm-hmm. uh, even though this is a book that is published, is are there any favorite parts that you have that just couldn't make it into the book? Hillary, I'm one of those authors who always writes short. So, oh, mood. Yeah, this started out as a nano novella. And mm-hmm. then I realized I left two of the characters in a really weird position. And mm-hmm. um, so I wrote essentially, it's it's a book that's essentially five conjoined novellas. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that sort of, that tell the whole story. And, um, but uh, there are, I am a you know, the great distinction between plotters and pantsers. I am a pantser. This started, uh, there are several wrong turns that this this novel took. Um, there was mm-hmm. a brief period where Dana, and this is way, way later in the book, there's this floating uh, sort of man-made island, which was, I stole the idea from uh, 
the whole uh, Peter Thiel seasteading thing. And mm-hmm. at, at one point, she ha- she ha- she is flung from the, and it doesn't show up in the actual book. She's <laughs> flung from this floating island, and a superhero comes along and rescues her. And I thought, you know, this just this is kind of totally not right for what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> and it also kind of reminded me, you know, that thing in life of Brian where they, oh, the, uh-huh. the UFO rescues Brian after he's, yeah. Uh, it's a great moment in that, but it's like, no, I, I can't, I can't. There's no cap. And then there's this. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a fine line between, yeah, the, it's, it's really, uh, what, how far is too far when you're doing uh madcap comedy? I think for me, it was sort of like, okay, this, this universe was going to have mysterious government organizations. It was going to mm-hmm. have lots and lots of aliens. It was going to be sort of a men in black esque world, but it was not going to have superheroes because that would just be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I have a lot of respect both for being able to write something this long by the seat of your pants. <laughs> uh, I I once upon a time thought of myself as a pantser mm-hmm. and slowly realized that while I can write things by the seat of my pants, I really need to do some amount of plotting before I do any actual writing especially on something long yeah um normally what i do so i have this this kind of process where i intentionally write a really short first draft that hits all the plot beats Mm -hmm. so it's somewhere between a really thick outline um and a and an actual first draft of a novel and the past the other thing that i've done that seems to work pretty well for me is write it as a screenplay first and yeah um the the issue with this is this is I don't know about this project. This project is one of those things it, that was not what I intended it to be. Oh, it, uh-huh. It was, uh, I had this, uh, this was like, I I have a novella. It's got a start. It's got an end. It's going to be perfect. It's, <laughs> and I love it. And, and then I, I, I realized, no, no, I stopped like 20% of the way into the book. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean... Some of the best projects come about that way. Yeah. The other thing is I just have a whole lot of respect for, you know, I I will write funny moments in my books and stories, but I don't think that I have the wherewithal to write humor. You know, I I bet you could. I don't know. Uh, It's, uh, I, it's what I enjoy, uh, I enjoy writing stuff with lightness in it. And, you know, honestly, I had a big plan at when I wrote this book and I've um, told the story elsewhere as well. I was, I had this big plan. I was going to write this dark alternate history. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It started out with, uh, and uh, it's like the U S had lost the, the war of 1812 been, uh, reconquered mm-hmm. and when that happens the entire uh ideals of 
you know, the American Revolution, the French Revolution had been rejected. And uh, so it became this sort of toxic uh, um, dictatorship. And it was like, I, so it's 2017. And I have a first draft of my toxic dictatorship novel. <laughs> and I just can't. I gotta write something with a lot of uh, wacky dogs in it, and yeah. that's gonna—it's gonna be my escapist book, where where everything goes okay in the end. And that yeah. is fair. Yeah. <laughs> um. So now that we've talked a little bit about some of the stuff that got left in an earlier draft, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, cutting room floor is totally appropriate if we're talking in terms of a screenplay too, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, without giving too much away, do you have any favorite parts that did stay in the book? Oh, um, let's see. There is, um, I'll tell you one of the things that was hardest to write. There was, Mm um, um, so way, way, way in the future of this book, uh, Dana gets, makes a new friend. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say much about him uh but uh there's a they're having a, a sort of intense conversation in the car um oh i'll tell you he's an alien and he's going to he's going <laughs> to take her, yeah <laughs> he's going to take her to meet all his alien buddies and he explains okay here's some cultural assumptions um and uh can you be a little can you tread a little gently here and she said why are you asking me to be a jerk or not be a jerk to your friends? And, and that's where the dialogue stopped for like a week because oh. I could not figure out his answer. And, um, and when I finally figured out that moment, it was like, Oh, hooray. It, it, it's funny. It's like, uh, there's the thing with, uh, when you're doing comic writing is you really have to shine and shine the dialogue. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it just has to, you can't have stuff in there. You don't need it all has to, it all has to say something about character. It all has to hit. And um, it was like uh, one of those moments where you, you put down the manuscript and you think I may never put, pick up this manuscript again, <laughs> because I have no idea what he's going to say back to her. Mm-hmm. so that that was a that was a good moment you know um there was a uh thing i once heard about uh pg wodehouse who's one of my favorites who he used to typewrite his entire manuscript and cover his entire office with <laughs> it like wallpaper his office with his manuscript in progress and he mm-hmm. would he would just sit there with everything and like figure out okay this individual line doesn't work and then he'd strike it through and yeah i don't go that far but I just <laughs> it was a cool idea um oh gosh what else did i like i um I love the desert Southwest. I was awfully mm. glad, yeah, to get a lot of um, that kind of thing in there. I got, uh, I think people will recognize Graceland. Uh, I probably <laughs> should, <laughs> shouldn't say that, but it was it was fun putting that in there. Um, um, I uh, 
not in the Southwest. I moved it a little uh, because uh-huh. I can because it's fiction. Uh, I got in uh, a Denver airport joke I was pretty proud about. But Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're having alien conspiracies where, where mm-hmm. else? Yeah. Yeah. So it it was uh, it was fun to throw in a lot of stuff like that. That's awesome. I love, you know, I it's it's so clear a lot of time reading, uh, especially like I feel like writers read in a different way than <laughs> non writers do. Partly just because like there's part of our mind that is always like consciously or subconsciously picking apart what's going on but there's another part that i think you know i try to recognize like oh this writer was having fun with this and it's so (laughs) awesome to me to hear how much joy this manuscript still brings you Mm -hmm. um and i'm just i'm just so excited for this book being in stores and for people being able to uh, go and pick it up. Oh, me too. Uh, So, absolutely. So, one of the things that I'd really love, uh, we've talked a whole bunch about this book and all the joy that it's bringing you and uh, all the joy that it has brought me over just the past 20 minutes. (laughs) Uh, and what I'm wondering right now is, is there anything else that you're reading, listening to, watching that is really, like, getting you pumped up, really enjoying? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Uh, so I just discovered um, behind everybody else, I, I, I'm never, <laughs> at, I feel like I'm never at the forefront of this stuff anymore. Um, I just discovered Ted Lasso. And oh, Fantastic. I am a huge fan of like when people can do uh, real ensemble comedy and mm-hmm. um, and especially really humane ensemble comedy where it's clear that they they care about people, they love people. Mm-hmm. That's it comes from a place of enjoying human beings and all their quirky little foibles. And um <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so Ted Lasso is pretty awesome. I think um, I have, I am now nearly through my second watch because I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I really like it, I'll watch mm-hmm. it multiple times. Uh, I, um, <laughs> the other thing I've been reading multiple times, which I think actually really uh, fits with the way its lead character enjoys media. Um, I've been reading, rereading Murderbot because oh, the whole yeah. series, <laughs> because it is one of my one of my favorite characters in sci-fi. I love the writing style, and and I am trying to figure out how Martha Wells did this incredibly tricky thing to tell a giant political story mm-hmm. through the point of view of a character who cares nothing about politics Uh and you know um you finish the the whole series and there's been this big sweeping change in the way these the different political entities deal with each other Mm -hmm. and uh but you have to sort of uh um it's not uh, it's not something Murderbot cares about at any point. So how do we know when the character doesn't care? And mm-hmm. that's that's like 
elite level character writing skill and yeah, uh, it's like, like <laughs> Murderbot just wants to be watching Murderbot serials. Yes. Like yes. that's all it wants. <laughs> and how dare anybody be causing it to have feelings oh, or feelings again. <laughs> I I am continuously in awe of uh I should say, because we are recording this uh, a couple of days before Christmas, recently double Hugo Award winning... Yes, yes. Murderbot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well-deserved, right? Well-deserved. Yeah, and um, so do you read them and wish you could also read The Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon as, you know... so want to like inhabit that world and <laughs> listen like be able to watch these serials and yeah like there's martha wells is just absolutely a master like she mm-hmm. so deserves all of the accolades that she's gotten yeah yeah uh, yeah i i love those books so much i'm like I haven't read the most recent one because I'm just like saving them up for like because it 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 is uh you know it's it's an action book but mm-hmm. it's also like a deeply human mm-hmm. book about somebody who just calls them itself Murderbot mm-hmm. and like just keeps like catching friendships and <laughs> it it's so good listeners if if you haven't somehow if you've missed murderbot if you think oh i don't know about that that doesn't sound like my sort of thing give give the first book a shot because i think you'll be absolutely charmed uh by by Murderbot, by all of Murderbot's friends, by the asshole research, research transport. <laughs> uh, slight slight spoilers for I think that's book two, where Art shows up. I can't quite remember, but uh, you know, not too big of spoilers to say that there's a ship. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and I am not usually for my leisure reading going for things that are that bloody and i think mm-hmm. it's because it's from the point of view of a character who genuinely loves humans it's also i don't know it it has this sort of western skeleton to it mm-hmm. the um it also reminds me of okay, this movie I haven't seen in years and I have no idea if it's actually any good or if I just hit it <laughs> at the right day. But uh, there's a movie called Soldier, um, which has, uh, oh gosh, uh, Kurt Russell in it. And mm-hmm. it was written um, by, uh, oh gosh, the guy, uh, I think it's written by Peoples, the guy who wrote Unforgiven and... Another big science fiction thing I'm blanking on, embarrassingly, but uh, it, it's it, it's it, it's sort of similar to the whole Murderbot thing. There, there's like uh, the sort of the space western thing, as we mm-hmm. all know, has this anyway. But it it um, it feels it 
it feels cozier than it than the actual content and that's another reason i keep rereading it how does that mm-hmm. work how does it feel so safe when yeah. when uh there's so many things getting shot i have no idea so <laughs> it's it's a mystery yeah i was gonna say the thing that always comes up for me as you know a a completely different sort of thing, but the Imperial Ratch trilogy mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, has this common ground of being told by mm-hmm. uh, a non-human entity in the Imperial Ratch trilogy, you know, it's the AI from a ship, and slowly over the course of these three books, you find out, like, all this backstory, and, like, book two... Uh, ancillary sword mm-hmm. yeah i was like looking at my shelf and i was like are those actually in the right order on the shelf uh ancillary sword is to this day like my favorite book about grief oh uh, wow and like what grief does to a person and like like absolutely incredible but again it's it is like justice of Torin is a very, like, cares very much about humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just both both of those series, absolutely lovely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very different things, but absolutely (laughs) lovely. I I would agree. I felt like the language, it's so different in those two Mm -hmm. books, right? They're... Martha Wells has this very clean, transparent uh, style, and um, and Lecky, it feels like I'm I'm sort of peering my way through this lattice of language to mm-hmm. to see what's going on. Um, yeah, gosh, what else have I read recently? I have not uh, finished this, but the first five chapters of J.S. Dewey's The Last Watch are very good. Um, oh, nice. Have you have you seen that? Have you read that one yet? I have not yet. It's in my ever expanding TBR pile. <laughs> I I I too feel like the pile is is ever growing. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's uh well fun. Um, uh, it it is a it's a really fun story of people who are going through some really terrible stuff. There, it's about a ship of people who have all messed up in one way or another. Um, and mm-hmm. are are soldiers stationed at the void at the end of the universe and oh, very cool yeah and you know nothing not, they expect nothing to ever happen because you know it's the void nothing mm-hmm. nothing's going in nothing's going out and then something happens and and that's where i stopped reading so i have no idea <laughs> the thing is that comes out of the world and then spoilers yeah and then i have no uh yeah <laughs> i can't spoil it too badly but it's one of those that's fun because uh the characters are fun um one of uh, the character who's most immediately engaging is the is the one we meet first um he mm-hmm. uh is a an ex-royal who has done something to get uh uh really get his family angry and get stuck on this ship watching the void for the rest of his life. So uh, we don't know what it is yet to find out what it, I don't know what it is. I can't spoil it for you, but uh, it's, it's uh, so far that one's been a fun read. Very cool. Well, listeners, as always, I know it can be hard when 
you just get two nerds talking about <laughs> books for a while uh, can get hard to keep up. But as always, links to all of these things will be in the show notes. Uh, and Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can our listeners find you online? Where am I? Um, I am, uh, honestly, the place where it's easiest to find me uh, is on Twitter. It's Jenny with an I-E, Goloboy, G-O-L-O-B-O-Y. And um, I uh, I have a web page, but I am really bad at web design. So it it's Fair basically <laughs> there. <laughs> It's a web page. So, it's yeah. a website. Yeah. Come talk to me on Twitter. Uh, and um, gosh, where else? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the best spot. Um, and Fantastic. of course, you could go to Queen of Swords books if you if of I have and uh, see the awesome cover that uh, uh, Terry Roy has 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 created for me. Uh, thanks to Catherine Lundoff, the publisher. Yeah, thank you, Queen of Swords Books, uh, for bringing this book into, uh, I won't say bringing it into existence, obviously that was you, Jenny, but thank you, Queen of Swords, for making it a book that you can purchase wherever fine books are sold, or at queenofswordspress.com, or whatever that web address is. Links in the show notes. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much, listeners. Once again, Obviously Aliens by Jenny Gulliboy from Queen of Swords Press. If you like small presses, as we do here on the show, go check out the rest of their library because they have some absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, We were talking before the show about uh, the voyages of uh, Sinrak the Magnificent, I believe, by A.J. Fitzwater. Uh, obviously, Rem Rigmore's Fox Hunt, which we talked about on this show a couple of months ago. And, uh, you know, always new stuff coming out from them. And if you are a writer, take a look at their submissions page. Find out, because I, I believe they have an open submission window coming up in the new year. Uh, which would be this year now when you're hearing this, listeners, because time is fake. <laughs> I know she's looking especially for Midwestern authors, too. So if you're somewhere in the Midwest, like me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I lost my train of thought. It'll be okay. All comes out in the edits. Jenny, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much, Hillary. It's been lovely. Thank you. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy first Trunk cast of 2022. (laughs) Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Ryan Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter, at TrunkCast, and I tweet at HBBizniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Don't self-reject.